before it comes up here, I thought about breaking out a $20 bill to see if anybody could remember our theme of Titus. Anyone? Not that I have a $20 bill, but if I had a $20 bill... Wow, you rock. You rock. Good thing I didn't have a $20 bill. He would have gotten it. That's exactly right. What's that? There you go. Excellent, man. Nice work. That's really a theme. Read that out even louder. Strength and faith, deeper knowledge for increased godliness. Very, very important stuff. And then Titus 2, 11 through 14, if you want to look at that, Sam, I thought, did a great job of choosing a group of verses that in a lot of ways sum up that whole theme. So chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Everybody turn there. These ladies. Where's your Bibles? Evan, they're going to regret sitting in the front row now. Listen to these verses. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. I'd encourage you to read those, those three verses, four verses, uh, throughout the week again because if you want Titus summed up, those are great verses to sum up Titus. And Sam, maybe you can toggle over to the Scripture on that. Maybe we should put those those verses up. And let's just look at them and tie in kind of the big concepts of Titus. Then we'll take maybe a few minutes to uh, sum up a couple of applications from verse 15 of chapter 3 and then we'll move on to a great opportunity to worship. For the grace of God has appeared. And remember, grace is unmerited favor. And this sums it up, doesn't it? That we deserve nothing but hell. We deserve nothing but hell but God has chosen to be gracious. That's the starting point. Because when we realize that God doesn't owe us anything, that God has not only spared us from what we deserved, but given us all these blessings, it comes close to home that it's not about me. It can't be about me. And Titus does such a great job of summing it up that, hey, it is not about you. So the grace of God, is there an accident then that if, that if the book is closed out, it's closed out with the, the phrase, grace be with you. We'll talk more about that. It's not an accident. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Huge. Next verse, Sam. Training us to renounce ungodliness. Ungodliness is all around. It's in your life. It's in my life. It's in the world. It's all around us. Sin has warped us so much that we are bent towards ungodliness. Our first reaction will be ungodliness. Any godliness, any submission to the Spirit of God will not come naturally. It won't be automatic. It'll be constant effort. It'll be constant resistance to the stream 
of how our lives are going. It's got to stop. We have to renounce it. We have to say no to ungodliness. Not only daily, but as a life, as a purpose of life, we cannot get caught up in the culture. It's got to be a counter-cultural godliness that says no to worldly passions. Self-control was so much part of Titus. You look at the qualifications uh, for elders and how many of them tied back into self-control. And we knew that those weren't just for elders, right? Those are for every follower of Christ. Self-control is so huge. Upright. The idea of integrity. Integrity. Uh, a lost a lost trait in our culture in many ways. Um, some have defined the uprightness or the integrity. Some as simply as, have put it as, as what you see is what you get. That what you represent in person is accurately shown even in private. But that consistency, that uh, oneness of who you are, that we're upright for God, and that these godly lives, we live these godly lives in the present age. Think about all the different times in Titus that you heard this idea of God's got good works for you laid out. Or God's got this way of living laid out. And it involves saying no to this, to your own passions, to these evil desires, and yes to God's plan. And we know from what Christ said in John 15 that abundant joy is waiting for us if we can grab onto this idea of Titus. And so weeks and weeks and weeks of studying these verses in Titus, if there's a message that can come through, it's, hey, appreciate what you've been given in Christ. And don't wallow in the mud when God has designed you to soar like eagles. When God has a joy and a fulfillment waiting for you when you renounce worldly passions and you renounce the culture and you live upright, self-controlled, godly lives in this present age. Huge concepts. Huge concepts. And finally, the next, verse 13, here's the... Here's the focal point, and I struggle with this daily. And Titus, how many different times did it, did it emphasize this, this perspective issue, this mindset issue, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, as a follower of Christ, that there is a time coming when you don't expect it, either by your physical life ending here on earth or by Jesus Christ Himself coming back, that you're going to be face-to-face with your Savior. That's the focus. That's the goal. And when Titus is is talking about uh, increased knowledge to deepen your faith and lead towards godliness, it's all tied in with this idea that your Savior one day we'll be talking with you face to face. And we all want to hear what? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's the target. That's the focus. And too many times, Christy can talk about this, too many times I'm so worried about here and now that I don't have that constant heavenly focus. And if I'm looking here, it's kind of like the old, uh, um, how was it, when Dad was teaching me how to drive, and I was supposed to steer. He said, you've got to look up ahead because when you're looking up ahead, you can keep a straight line on it. 
If you're looking 10 feet in front of the car, you'll be swaying back and forth like this. Same kind of thing. If I've got my eyes on the prize, if I'm looking to heaven, if I'm making the invisible kingdom visible daily in my sights, then God's straight line has a better shot. Or I have a better shot, I should say, at sticking to God's straight line. When I'm so focused here and now, I'm here and now, I'm over here and then I have to correct and I'm back here and then I have to recorrect. If I can get that perspective, now I'm spitting, you're really bad in the front. <laughs> That's in the coffee. If I can get that heavenly perspective, we got a better shot at a straight line. That's what this is all about. Plus, not only does it keep your line straight, but it gives you hope. I was listening to an Elvin and the Chipmunks song this week. Deep, deep lyrics. But strangely, they were talking about this tour around the world and they're seeing these new things and, and they said, we're following our dreams and it's sure to bring a hope that'll last. And I'm going like, that's weird. Even in Elvin and the Chipmunks, they're talking about trying somehow to get this hope. And finally, we're traveling the world. We're, we're fulfilling our dreams. That's going to bring a hope that'll last. Won't. This is the only hope that'll last. And Titus, over and over and over, emphasized this is a hope in Christ that'll last. Think about Titus, the author. Now we're going way back to the intro to the book. But Titus, a young man, a strong believer, kind of alone on this island of liars as it would be, kind of with this rowdy bunch of Christians who Paul has said, hey, get things in order. He needed that hope. He needed that, that focus, that um, prize of seeing the Savior. And you guys are living in a rowdy time. We're living in a rowdy culture. We need that focus of that hope. Without that, it's tough tough anyway, but it's really tough without that hope. And finally, this was a common theme. There's at least three times where we talked on this next concept. Verse 14, again a reminder, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That good works was at least three different times, including three weeks ago when I got to teach on some of the last verses. God has a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got these good works lined up for you, as, as Ephesians 2.10 would say. These good works that you should walk in. They're all lined up. He did not send His Son so that you could continue to wallow in selfish sin. He sent His Son to change you. And He didn't do it halfway. He didn't give you this salvation and say, well, you know what, it'd be nice now if you had the ability to live godly, but you don't. You're destined for failure. No. He redeemed you from all lawlessness. He's given you the ability to be pure. Set apart, as we looked at. Sam talked on that very beginning. Sanctified, set apart. Too many times we accept this lie from the devil that I can't be sinless. The reality is you have everything you need in Christ to make holy living a part of every single decision and day. 
Now, if we're looking at the statistics, are you going to stop sinning? No. Am I going to stop sinning? No. But it's not because we have, we're forced to sin. It's because we will continually choose to not take advantage of this opportunity to be holy. If we sin, it's because we want to sin. The ugly, harsh reality. If, when you see me in sin, it's because I want to sin. Not because I have to. Second Peter 1 says that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. You don't have to sin. We sin because we choose to sin. And we sin because we're not content with this pure, zealous pursuit of good works that God has for us. I was turning on to Dodge. I want to say it's been nine months now, maybe six. I can tell you exactly. It was last May, so however many months that is. Turning on to Dodge, and it finally hit me. And again, it was in the context of, um, of my business. And it finally hit me that God doesn't guarantee that this life is all about roses. That God's will for my business may very well be bankruptcy. God's will for my reputation, if I'm living His plan with integrity, there's still a chance that I won't be respected in the community. And I guess it really hit me that, that God's way doesn't mean ease and doesn't mean comfort and doesn't mean a cakewalk, but I've got to be okay with that because this plan of being separated for God, of being holy, of being zealous for the good works that He has for me is so much bigger and so much better than comfort here on earth. And the reason I bring that up now is because there's going to be a time very shortly from now where you know you'll have a choice to be pure and separate from lawlessness. But you'll also feel the discomfort with that. And you'll know full well that there's a comfort zone just with a slight veer from this truth, purity, lawlessness. And too many times we're going to choose the comfort zone over God's plan. Don't do it. Don't do it. Realize that God has a plan. God has a joyful plan. But it's His plan, not the plan that we think will be happy and go lucky and effortless and self-indulgent. We've got to follow these good works that God has laid out for us. And this whole concept of Titus, as I've looked back at it, I'm just so... Uh, hit with the reality that it's never going to be easy, but there's so much reward waiting. So I love these four verses. Um, Sam challenged us to memorize them. If you haven't gotten to do that yet, do it. There's still time. Memorize these four verses and let's stick to them. Let's go back to them. Let's refer to them constantly. There's so much truth here. But the bottom line is that God has a plan and... Uh, We've got to stick to it. Let's go back to the PowerPoint if we could, Sam. Just to wrap up in the last couple of minutes we have. A couple of observations of verse 15 of chapter 3 that definitely reinforced the whole message of Titus. 
Uh, next slide. If you, oh, I got that now. Don't I? Thank you. Here was the whole meaning. Say hi. But the grace be with you had some good uh, application. We'll talk about that. Uh, the first application is in the whole saying hi and the people here say hi. I think there's a, there's a real deep message there. You can see through Paul and his relationship with Titus a genuine friendship, a genuine relationship, a genuine love for each other. I was just talking with uh, Leah and then several others since then that this sadly is rare in the church. We are bad at genuinely loving each other. We're very good at making each other projects. Okay? I'm going to minister to that person. We're very good at uh, smiling and putting on this phony friendliness in love. But how are we at genuinely sharing life with each other? And I was encouraged when I read this that there were people there in, on Crete, in addition to Titus, that Paul had a deep connection with, a friendship, enough to where in this deep letter of theology and instruction, he took the time to say, hey, make sure and greet those people, as if to say, they are really dear to me. I miss those guys. Let them know that. And there were people around Paul that wanted to send greetings to Titus and maybe to others too because he was missed. And my challenge for us, and again, forgive me if this is just me, in part because we uh, um, are coming out of the newborn phase here and so there's been a level of disconnect uh, in a lot of ways on schedules and all. But I'm wondering if, we're, if we've got a little bit of distance going on. Certainly, I, Christy and I have talked about it. We've got to work at reconnecting with the church family but maybe you feel a little distant. And I just want to encourage all of us that, that God's plan for His church family is a tight family. And never viewing this as an external, I come, I fill a seat, I go, but my real relationships are elsewhere, or, or I put on a happy face and I might minister to someone, but it's not real. Make sure that you're constantly working towards deepening your relationships with your church family. So important. So important. And again, forgive me if you're right and closer than you've ever been and you're, you're uh, closer, closer walk and step with your brothers and sisters than you've ever been. Grant me, help me to get back to that even more. But let's be a church who's so dedicated to loving each other that the realness and the depth of relationship continues and continues and continues to grow. I'm convinced that's huge. Let me put a real practical application out there. There was a time where we were really doing, I'd say, well with discipleship. And if you went down the line and you talked to uh, people in the room and saying, how are you doing? Who are you getting together with weekly? Well, boom, I'm getting together with this person. And boom, I'm getting together with this person. I'm getting together with this person. I know that's still happening. There's three ladies within 10 feet of each other that I know it's happening. A little too often, really, I mean. They love each other. But how often is it happening in your life? God is so clear that if you know Christ is your Savior, part of this zealous good work calling that He has for you is to be discipling others 
and being discipled by others. So important. And I challenge you and encourage you, think about Paul's relationship with Titus. And there was a closeness there, a connection there through discipleship that led to all kinds of richness and growth. How are you doing on that? Do you have someone or, or more than someone that you're meeting with regularly here from the church family to encourage each other, to challenge each other? We made a big point. We'll make another point. Discipleship is not some formal thing where if you're going to be the discipler and you officially have to be the disciplee and the discipler has to be X number of months older than the disciplee and you have to show this much more spiritual... No. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And when you get together with someone, there's going to be discipleship back and forth. At least there better be, right? If it's God's way. But I would strongly challenge you. If you've you've strayed a little from that, get back to it. Get in close connection. Men, we need that with each other. Do what it takes to get in contact, to build a closeness. Ladies, you need that connection. You need that fellowship. Do what it takes to build those relationships. And I know it's tough. I know that men have different needs than women on that. And and men have different things that get in the way than women have that would get in the way. And you know what they are. Whether if it's men, they're just being insensitive to each other's feelings. Or whether it's women that that maybe you're, you're afraid that the other person doesn't want to get together with you. But you know what it is. We've got to get past it. We've got to get past it. And if we're going to have that kind of relationship where, I don't know how many miles away, but certainly in that time it seemed like a huge distance between Paul and Titus, they were able to build such a close bond that there was still a connection even through letters. There was still a connection there that would warrant stepping back from the message of Titus to at least say, hey, I miss you. You Send greetings to the others. There's people here that miss you. Um, Build those relationships. Build those friendships. Here's the challenge. Think this week about one other person, at least one other person in the church family that you'd be willing to set up a semi-regular get-together. Maybe every Thursday you go to uh, Panera for tea uh, or every other Thursday you do this or, or whatever it would be. Set it up and stick to it. Um, I know that that's meant a ton. I can tell you that uh, Angie Carlson loved when Brooke Sluter was in town because they had that kind of connection and they would get together regularly. And I know for a fact that I'm sure there was mutual encouragement, but Angie talks about how much it encouraged her to, uh, to be meeting with Brooke and to uh, regularly be getting together and sharing life. So do that. That's a, a good challenge this week. Find at least one other person. Ladies, another lady. Men, another man. And a uh, purpose to set something up. Last point as we wrap up. I talked about that last phrase of Titus. Grace be with you all. Let me read it exactly. Grace be with you all. That is exact. I thought that was a little weird at first. That whole concept of grace be with you is sort of weird to me. Because is is me saying grace be with you going to give any more grace to you? 
Who's the giver of grace? God is. Why would he close with this grace be with you? I'm wondering if it has more to do with my focus than with actual keeping of grace. Now, Naomi, Naomi told me something today that really got me excited. She said, I've been praying for you. That's cool. And we know that there's an element of that here with this grace be with you. That I can ask God for blessing in your life. And I can pray for you. And that's a huge part of it. I'm wondering if this grace be with you is a constant reminder to me. Don't forget what I've been given. The whole message of Titus about zealously following these good works that God lays out. The whole foundation for it is the grace that God has given you. And the attitude of gratitude drives any kind of response. We are weird people. If we can appreciate something and value it, then we're nice about it. Have you noticed that? If someone loves us and appreciates us, we respond like crazy to that. Well, God has given us the ultimate grace. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, as He said. And if we can remember that daily, the motivation to zealously live in good works will be way easier. So I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe it's taken that bookmark that Sam put together that uh, had Titus 2, 11 through 14 and putting it in a place. Mine's on the corner of my desk. And when you see that, read it. And remember, hey man, I have so much grace today. And let's let that grace motivate us to live for God, to zealously pursue these good works that He has for us. The problem, so much of the problem of us living for ourselves is we get so introspective, we get so self-centered that we don't appreciate what God or what anybody else has done for us. We're dealing with a sad, sad situation where, where uh, too many times you can tell when someone gets really self-centered, they start to forget all the things people have done for them. And, and what's really sad is when you, when you start to talk to someone and it's, well, no one's doing anything for me. And if someone else can point to you and say, well, remember when this person did this and remember when they did this and remember when they did this, that's when it's really bad. Because if someone outside of the situation sees how much you've been given, that means that I'm not focusing nearly enough on being grateful. You follow me on that? Let's be grateful people. Let's be people who constantly remember this grace that God has given. So when we say grace be with you, let's focus in on the grace and let's remember daily what we've been given. It's easy to focus on these negative things. We've got to constantly have an attitude of gratitude. Um, Christy was sharing that. I think Leah was talking to her about this. Am I right on that? And how motivating it is to have this grace or this attitude of gratitude. She was talking about in terms of all the blessings that God has shown them. Uh, and the timing. You know, like she sits next to a co-worker and she just has a, a strong desire to see that co-worker know Jesus. And, and there had been um, uh, promotion opportunities elsewhere, but they didn't seem to be right. They didn't seem to fall in place. And then uh, this person she works with uh, professes to, to receive Christ as Savior, and boom, she's, she gets this promotion. What, week? A week later? And then she gets to take a week off to settle into a brand new house, and her first day back tomorrow is in this 
brand new job with this promotion. And, and she was just excited about these gracious blessings that God seems to be heaping on her. And she was sharing that this is really a cool motivation to be even more dedicated to, to serve and love God. They're there, people. The blessings of God are all around you. We've got to tune into them. We've got to appreciate them. And we've got to let that motivate us to live for God. So that's the message of Titus. Um, many, many other things to say. It took us, so what, a year or so to go through? No, not quite a year, but it's been a while. But just as a word of transition, um, we can't forget what we've learned. And we're moving into another section, another study, that I think is going to be equally formational and equally helpful in living for God. And I would challenge you and encourage you, I was really impressed with you, Kyle, by the way, um, with your notes. Be able to go back 15 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever it's been, and have notes on Titus. As we move into this next study, I think it starts in two weeks, maybe bring your notes from Titus. If you want to be really radical, go back and actually listen to some of these messages online. That would be really something. Huge opportunity there. But let's not forget what God has said to us through Titus because it's going to apply in huge ways to every other message, every other thing that we learn together. So thank you for your patience and your, your um, willingness to move through this book. There's a huge value in systematically studying God's Word. He has a lot, a lot, a lot to say. So, Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. still is amazing to think that uh, the Bible is literally God-breathed that this is a, a supernatural collection of, of what You want to say to us. And then to think, Lord, that You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've saved us. You, you've uh, turned our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh so that we can love You, serve You. And then to think that the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, lives inside us and wants, just desperately wants, to direct every thought and action and word so that these lives of Yours can be a powerful tool uh, for accomplishing your goals. And to think that your word is a blueprint to that, so perfectly laid out. And if we would just follow it, Father, how much more uh, would we be used to accomplish for you? And how much more joy would be there, Lord? So again, like we've done so many times, uh, we offer our lives to you and say we need You to work in us and to change us. Uh, we need You now to focus our hearts on You, uh, to get away from our own selfish thinking, and to uh, really see all that You've done. Thanks for this chance now to focus on that for a, a good chunk of time and thinking about You as the Creator and transitioning that to, to Christ and what He's done. Uh, guide our hearts in worship, please. In Jesus' name, Amen.